You did, used like Seinfeld did your way through that. You're like, I'm a bitch. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Lyrics for Lunch, the show that's a bitch, a mother, a child, a lover, a sinner, a saint. And we wouldn't want it any other and way. It, we wouldn't <laughs> want it any other way. Yeah, I forgot the rest of the words. Uh, this is a show where we do deep dives into famous songs from famous song history. The weird, wild, crazy, wacky, time travel murdery, um, sexist, misogynist, racist, sometimes histories behind your favorite songs. <laughs> I am... Your host, Aviv, why are you laughing at that? I'm uh, laughing I'm at Amory's face. Sign, and I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Who? What? I just crept in here. <laughs> There's an interloper am... amongst us. <laughs> I'm your host, Aviv Rubenstein, trying to keep this this monkey car on the tracks <laughs> and i'm joined this week and every week by Lindsay tucker who I, I now have to introduce if you heard her yell at me a couple episodes ago Lindsay, how are you doing hello uh, hanging in there <laughs> it's friday afternoon slash night that's always a good what a thing week. What a week. What a work it's definitely week. Definitely been a week the most exciting thing about this week is what's happening right now correct we are joined here by the one and only Amory Sievertson, Yay. who is a musician. Hey, 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 hey Amory. Incredible musician, also podcast host of The Endless Thread, which is an NPR show. Home, sort of. Homed, yeah. Yeah, really, homed at WBUR. You were so, uh, an affiliate, so confident that you <laughs> could do NPR this. An NPR affiliate. I love I it. I feel like Just... I'm doing fine. Yeah. Actually, but thanks. <laughs> You're great. It's great to see you both. It's so great to see you. Amory, Aviv, and I all have Emerson ties. So I didn't Amory know and I that, Aviv. Emerson. Aviv taught there. Yeah, I teach at Emerson periodically. Oh, Teaches. that's right. I teach. Go. Go Lions. Go Lions. LOL. <laughs> Undefeated. Undefeated, baby. Undefeated. Yeah. Um, yes. So thank you for joining us, Amory. Oh, it's you may now introduce yourself. <laughs> well You but you did such a good job. <laughs> she had spirit. It's easier for us to to brag about our friends. But yes, it's a I co-host a show called Endless Thread. That's made at WBUR, which is the Boston NPR affiliate. We're the Boston NPR station. I said all of those words, you guys. You'll hear you it did. On the she just that's right. <laughs> you put them in any order, and it works. Hear it upon the replay. Um, and yeah, I met Lindsay through music at Emerson. I was yes playing I shows. You at your CD release party. That's right. And Lindsay came to a show, and then we became friends. Yeah, we sat in a we... booth oh. at uh, the Middle, Middle East. East. Mm -hmm. Upstairs or down? At down. this point, we were up when we no. sat in the booth. Well, um, but the show we was were? Down. Yeah, we went no. upstairs to talk. The show was up. 
The show was up. The booth was down. down. (laughs) Well, do you two even know each other or? Up is down, down is up. It was a very long time. It was 2010. So if you expect me to remember up from down (laughs) from 12 years ago. So Amory is here to teach us about a song called bitch (laughs) (laughs) you might know a lot of them yeah you might have 99 problems but this ain't one of them but this song ain't Mm -hmm. one um (laughs) yeah do you do you guys have particular affiliations with this song memories of this song definite memories just of like the 90s definite affiliations Well, the, like I guess brunettes. we'll start. We'll start with a pop quiz. Oh, great! Okay, who sings this song? Oh, I just told Aviv. May I answer? I just first? told him. Yes. <laughs> Damn it, Lindsay! So, Aviv That's okay. he needs. He needs to give his original answer. I'll give my original <laughs> answer. I because I thought that this was Natalie and Bruley. Oh, okay. Eh. Okay. And I've and I was told that I'm missing. You know anything? The correct answer is not Alanis Morissette. So. Anything. <laughs> if you had asked me a year ago, I would have probably said Alanis Morissette. If you had asked me like a month ago, I would have said Alanis Morissette. And I did because the whole reason this came about is I was, I don't know why I was singing it around the house, but I was singing it around the house. And then I made some comment to Mike, my husband, about Alanis Morissette. And he was like, mm, that's not Alanis Morissette. <laughs> I was like, um, of course it's Alanis Morissette. <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> As we learned with our Dancing in the Moonlight episode, this point in the show right here is going to be the the part where we get a lot of feedback of like, it's not. So, because we, uh, we had a lot of people who thought Dancing in the Moonlight was Van Morrison. I really thought I knew things and I didn't know things about this song in particular. <laughs> so, um, my head exploded and I looked up who it was and it was Lindsay. Meredith Brooks. Right. So like, <laughs> who the fuck is that? <laughs> who the fuck is that? I feel that? like she has brown I mean, hair. Mm-hmm. Wow. There <laughs> She's was the a one lot with of the hair at this time. You know, there was like uh, Vanessa Carlton and the other. No, one. no, no. This is she way before Vanessa Carlton. Who is the other one? The other brunette that had a You're song. I think Aviv. Natalie you said you wanted to do it. Imbruglia. No, there's another one. You said you wanted to do her song. Oh, everywhere. Michelle Branch. Oh, yes. Also so later. We're talking. To- <clears throat> yeah, you're you're like the next generation of musicians getting confused, which was Vanessa Carlton <laughs> and Michelle Vanessa Branch. Vanessa Carlton and Nelly Furtado. No, no, not confusing. Different. I, I'm telling you right totally now. Totally different. <laughs> <laughs> and just Aviv, who one of them's thought- <laughs> everywhere. One of them's like a bird. That's but yes, Nelly so- Furtado, which is another thing you guys should do on this show that I almost pitched promiscuous girl but that's for another day okay yeah so i so meredith brooks is a contemporary of let me so let me now you're the meredith brooks scholar let me throw some names yeah spit some names at you (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it is in the wave of right after alanis morissette so contemporary of alanis morissette but we're talking melissa etheridge we're talking Tracy Chapman. We're talking 
um, Natalie and Brulia. Who's the one that kissed a girl? And liked it? And I liked it? Isn't that Katy Perry? No, no, no. The, the, the I cat kissed eyeglass. a girl and I Still liked no. it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know who you're talking about. But Natalie and Bruglia will. The, no, there is I kissed a girl. I kissed a girl for That's the first the time. Oh. <laughs> and I think I might just uh, do it again. Is missed, that I Lisa that. Loeb? <laughs> Lisa, yeah, it is Lisa Loeb. That's exactly right. Yes. Okay. So we've got the era settled here. We are talking. We... <laughs> Actually, that's a great question because we've. Got... <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna hone in on that. Okay. Um, next okay. question of the pop quiz: What is the very first line of the song? No googling. Yesterday obviously. I cried. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. Actually. Okay, that's I, the first I, line. Ba, 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 ba. Okay. Wrong. Of the second verse. Correct. <laughs> but not. Uh, oh, no, that's, you know what? That's hate, the, that's the, I hate the world today. There you go. That's right. I hate the world today is the very first line of the song. Aviv's obviously Googling. No, I wasn't. Really? I was just informed that my dog ate the last coaster in the house. <laughs> He's been on a coaster eating kick this week. <laughs> oh, no. It's better than the big. Stop. The brownies the, or whatever it was. The brownies. A little bit ago. R.I.P. He's fine. And then let's let's just, we'll come back to some of these other fun facts, but let's just get the actual uh, year era that this came out. Thank you. Oh, can we guess? Are we guessing? Yes, please. 1995. Okay. Lindsay? Two and a half through four. You can't do a range. Nineteen. <laughs> 92 and a half through four. <laughs> okay. You're both incorrect. 1995 was Jagged Little Pill, which created a lot of problems for our friend Meredith Brooks because this came out in 1997, two years later. Oh, oh no. shit. Yeah. Um, 25 year grade. anniversary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. This is the 25th anniversary. Um, so let's, I think, just listen to the song. Yeah? Let's do it. Let's. So good to me, I know, but I can't change. Tried to tell you, but you look at me like maybe I'm an angel underneath. Innocent and sweet. Yesterday I cried. You must have been relieved to see the softer side. I can understand how you'd be so confused. I don't envy you. I'm a little bit of everything I'll roll into one I'm a bitch, I'm a lover I'm a child, I'm a mother I'm a sinner, I'm a saint I do not feel ashamed I'm your hell, I'm your dream I'm nothing in between You know you wouldn't want it any other way So take me as I am This may mean you'll have Yeah, see, look, you yeah. don't need to do a flex muscle on be a stronger man. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a little on the nose. It's on the nose. Everything she does in this video is on the nose, but that's okay. 
and it also has that kind of like it's not glossiness it's like it's like kind of soft focusness of all of these quasi grunge videos pop grunge videos from the 90s like this reminds me of um no rain the blind yeah. melon song did you guys Just notice the that shot it. so she's like in some sort of a room like a when the door opened it said I number seven me. on it oh. and I, I was wondering immediately symbolic? if there was like, yeah i don't know lucky number seven So many florals. This lady's like a Topanga Canyon ant these days. <laughs> she power clashed before it was cool. Is that what it's called? Power clashing? When you have like two prints that don't go together, but it's a real choice. It's called power clashing. Yeah. That. <laughs> Good to know. Mm-hmm. Good to know. You I guys didn't know I'd bring so much information, <laughs> did you? <laughs> Ooh, a black bear. Who are these people? <laughs> It's a great question. We're allowed, people of color are allowed in this video, just in the way background. (laughs) At the very end. The very end. Oh, now there's a whole party going on. Do you guys, how familiar are you with the lyrics to this song? Should we, should we give them a spin? Yeah, we sure. gotta give them a spin. All right. I'm all about dramatic readings on this show. Mm-hmm. Lindsay, why don't you start with verse one? Aviv, sure. verse two is all yours. I'll take, <laughs> I'll take the chorus and then we'll repeat from there. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. I hate the world today. You're mm. so good to me. I know, but I can't change. Tried to tell you, but you look at me like maybe I'm an angel underneath. Innocent and sweet. Yesterday I cried. You must have been relieved to see the softer side. I can understand how you'd be so confused. I don't envy you. I'm a little bit of everything all rolled into one. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. I'm a child. I'm a mother. I'm a sinner. I'm a saint. I do not feel ashamed. I'm your hell. I'm your dream. I'm nothing in between. You know you wouldn't want it any other way. So take me as I am. This may mean you'll have to be a stronger man. Rest assured that when I start to make you nervous and I'm going to extremes, tomorrow I will change and today won't mean a thing. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. I'm a child. (laughs) I'm a mother. I'm a sinner. I'm a saint. Do not feel ashamed. I'm your hell. I'm your dream. I'm nothing in between. You know, you wouldn't want it any other way. Just when you think you've got me figured out, the season's already changing. I think it's cool. You do what you do. And don't try to save me. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm a child. I'm a mother. I'm a sinner. I'm a saint. I do not feel ashamed. I'm your hell. I'm your dream. I'm nothing in between. You know, you wouldn't want me any other way. You d- you like Seinfelded your way through that. You're like, I'm a bitch. <laughs> All right, last last bit is I'm a bitch. I'm a tease. I'm a goddess on my knees. When you hurt, when you suffer, I'm your angel undercover. I've been numb. I'm revived. Can't say I'm not alive. You know, you wouldn't want it any other way. Ooh, huh? ooh, ooh, ooh. Beautiful. What do you each think this song is about? <laughs> okay. You want to go first? Who do you want to hear from first? Okay, me. Um, I think this is a early contemplation on what it's like to be a woman and trying to make it in a man's world. Mm. Okay. Wow. Aviv? Care to elaborate or is that just it for me? <laughs> but her emails! Okay. But her emails. Okay, so I, I I take you, I take that, Lindsay. You know, we're all wonderful contradictions. Do I contradict myself? Of course, I am great. I contain multitudes. But also, I'll raise you. This is potentially a cynical attempt to capitalize on one of the first big hits of this genre, which is ironic. The Alanis Morissette song, which is like once again kind of like posing situations that are not ironic, but like where bad things happen at on at good times or whatever. And so I think that this is like her Meredith Brooks's like version of that. Okay. An old man turned ninety-eight. <laughs> What the fuck? Of all the lyrics of that song to pull out. Yeah. He won the lottery. Lindsay's looking up for the old man. Isn't there like a 10,000 spoons when all you need is a a 10,000 soups when all you need is a knife or something? I think an old man turns 98 is the first fucking lyric of the song. Oh my God. I just, I haven't heard that song in a long time. Uh, I just think. Okay. Well, these are great thoughts. Um, we will come back. <laughs> wow. We will come back to, to what the song is about or, or where it kind of came from. But first, back to my other question of who the fuck is Meredith Brooks? Um, she's a singer-songwriter from Corvallis, Oregon. Her dad was the sheriff in town. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she started performing in 1976. She was born in 1958. Whoa. I know. What? <laughs> yeah. So that's that plays a part in that's this too, actually. Two, but yeah. Two years after my dad. <laughs> yeah. Meredith Brooks is Big our mom. Big energy. <laughs> <laughs> is the answer. She is my mom. Um, she started performing in 1976 in a couple of bands as a teenager, which did not pan Shit. out. So she moved to L.A. and she starts a solo career. And she releases a self-titled solo album in 1986, which, is that when you were born, Lindsay, around then? Something like that? One year after, one year later. Okay. Um, and I, I got to send you guys this, this cover art for her, for her album. We're going to get to listen to some of this self-titled album. Hell yeah. Uh, we have confirmation that the first line of Ironic is... An old man turned 98. 
<laughs> Vindicated again. Phew. <laughs> I'll, I'll be able to sleep tonight. So this is the cover of Meredith Brooks's first solo Let's album. Let's take a look at 1986. Whoa. Shit. Meredith wow. Brooks. Yeah, so this I was... I loving this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to describe it for us? Yeah, I do. So she appears to be topless. Mm-hmm. And like kind of a three-quarter over the shoulder looking like um sigourney weaver from ghostbusters the end of ghostbusters <laughs> there is no dana only zool mm-hmm. it's very and, 80s kind of synth yeah. pop big hair big vibes hair. Mm-hmm. okay and she's so 28 at this point bubblegum background yeah if this was in yes. 86 she's 28 so this is meredith brooks singing pick it up I, I, if this is a ska song, I will fucking lose. My mind. <laughs> oh, it's fucking, it's footloose. <laughs> Baby, don't hang around. Oh, wow. Wow, it's bright. So different, right? I mean, I think she's yeah, it's like uh, what I'm getting from this is like she leans into her era the style of the time. Yes, yeah. for sure. She's like, you need a Cindy Lauper. I can be Cindy Lauper. Yeah. <laughs> you need, you need a Tony Basil. You need an angsty woman. I can be an angsty woman. Just give me a record deal, please. <laughs> she's Robin Sparkles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also a great um, like power ballad from this album. It's called See It Through My Eyes. Oh, sure. You guys want to hear a little See It Through My Eyes? You know we do. Oof. Did you ever know that you're my hero? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's after midnight again. Jesus Christ. So can I make a theory? Can I pose a theory? Please. I think that Meredith Brooks is not really interested in being a singer, performer, star. I think that the reason that she's doing all these different styles is because she just like desperately wants to be hired as a songwriter or get like placements as sound alikes in movies or something. Hmm. Like that's what Sia did before Sia started performing, right? Is like just like writing songs for other people. But I feel like men and record labels and suits were always telling women what they had to be to make it. Like look at Jessica Simpson, right? Sure. That's true. That is an interesting theory though that you know you could set out to be the thing that if the movie or whatever can't can't afford Bette Midler yeah this is just sounding mean this is coming out of my mouth I feel badly (laughs) saying it but yeah she has she's she's kind of she can be kind of a now this is very clearly of the era but also mm -hmm. she's she's kind of a shapeshifter yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I don't, I don't mean to say she's like discount bin Bette Midler or whatever, but like, I think that that this is a really good way for her to make money for basically forever. 
Mm-hmm. But also, let's not stray too far from the realization that this <laughs> is just, this is Bette Midler. And this is so different from Bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so different from the from Pick It Up. Well, what's a good example of someone else who has crossed... Bruno Mars. The de- <laughs> No, like, crossed the decades like this. Like, if, if Britney Spears were, right? Like, Britney sure. Spears is so late 90s pop. And if Britney Spears were around in the 80s, what would she have sounded like in the 80s? Right. Sure. Versus, I don't know. It's, it's, I can't think of another example that, like, the, the shift from 80s to 90s is pretty dramatic, stylistically. Having watched the Sparks documentary a couple times, like that's kind of what they did, but they weren't chasing. Like it seems like Meredith is like chasing the style. They were kind of leading the style. Also, um, train. How about train? Train. Train's always kind of been just like, like drops of Jupiter laid. or like <laughs> drops of Jupiter sounds just like Soul song. Sister. <laughs> oh, you know, Jewel. Uh, Jewel. Jewel. Jewel sure. went from like. 90s singer-songwriter guitar to that weird um, intuition song. You know what I'm talking about? When she came back as like a... It was like... Shakira. Shakira. Yes, she came back as Shakira. Shakira. Yes. Madonna with Ray of Light. Okay. Well, after this album, this self-titled album, 1986... Is not it does not take her super far in the states. It does get a bit of a following in Mexico, interestingly enough. So that link that oh, I sent you, weird. where you saw the album art, you may have seen all the song names had the the song titles in Spanish right next to them. So like, pick it up is Lavantalo in the in that in that track listing. Um, wow! But when that doesn't really pan out, she. The very next year joins a kind of super group featuring Charlotte Caffey of the Go-Go's and Gia, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Chimbody. I should probably know that. Yeah, nailed it. I have no This notes. is the show where we mispronounce names, so it's good. Great. Um, so in our, in our last episode, I just changed the pronunciation of someone's name halfway through talking about it. <laughs> so they- We've all been there. They- uh, have this this super group called the graces and they put out an album in 1989 called perfect view and they did have a song that went somewhat big it was number 56 on the billboard chart called lay down your arms so i've sent you guys a link to a little bit of that speed up i can't slow down (laughs) oh yeah 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 Abracadabra, Steve Miller Band. Yeah. <laughs> the pattern continues. <laughs> you don't see much of Meredith in this video until like two thirds of the way through. I at least can see the connective tissue between this and Bitch. Yeah. Sure. I mean, she's. Yeah, I'd say she's in the. She's stayed in the edgier realm, I guess. Except for that one power ballad. <laughs> and and Lindsay brings up a good point, which is like it's possible that, that the decision to be this like kind of pop artist was not her own, but her record labels or yeah. Someone like forced her into that and now she's being authentic as as the as the singer of bitch, but who knows? Who's to say? Well you're to say, who knows? 
Well, I can also appreciate that when you are young, or I guess at this point she's already in her 30s, but when that's that's 30s, young. Yeah. We're in our 30s. And you're just yeah. and you want to play music. Like if you want to be a full-time musician, you're going to take you're going to experiment. You're going to try out different groups. Yeah. Like if you just want to play your guitar and sing songs and play in front of living breathing human beings, maybe you don't yeah. maybe this maybe this is just like fun that you're doing this and not working at a desk. Like yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Maybe you write about yoga. And make yoga podcasts. Oh my god! <laughs> so maybe you spent three hours today looking at one spreadsheet. Oh no! Well, she had her fun with the graces, but unfortunately, they were dropped from their label like two years oh. later. That um, sucks. This is a good song. I know, right? But then. It's like four years after that, 1995, that Meredith is signed as a solo artist to Capitol Records. And two years later, 1997, Bitch is released as a single. Wow. Yeah. So, but if her, when you think about her musical career starting in her teen years in like the mid 70s, she's now been doing yeah. this for 20 years by the time this big single drops. So she's, she's put in her years. Bitch debuted at number 57 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. One below what uh, pick it, What was that song called? Lay Down Your Arms. Lay Down Your Arms. That was their peak was 56. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Didn't you say? So I guess she's right there. Moving back. But she peaked at number two. <laughs> she peaked at number two. Bitch Shit. peaked at number two. Mm-hmm. Um, it only went gold in the U.S., but it went platinum in Australia. So, oh hell yeah! Also, the pattern continues of her being slightly more popular <laughs> in other countries. <laughs> um, maybe that's. I wonder, was there like a radio airplay problem because it had like a curse word in it? Oh, we will get there. We will get oh, there. Okay. Well, <laughs> yes. Never mind then. Yes. <laughs> so she does the you know the late night circuit. This is a big moment for her. The song is nominated for a bunch of awards, which we will also get to because there's something kind of funny about that um but let's talk about the song itself the writing of the song so the song is actually co-written by meredith brooks Mm. and a songwriter named shelly pakin and the idea for the song actually came from shelly not from meredith shelly shelly i know shelly will get some time to shine don't worry so (laughs) (laughs) shelly and Meredith, they're kind of at similar points in their careers where, you know, at the time they wrote Bitch, Meredith has been pushing and pushing and pushing to finally hit it big in the industry. And so has Shelley, but as a songwriter. So the origin of the song is, according to this interview that Shelley did in American Songwriter, she says, I was driving home from a late night session in a horrid mood, thinking about how long I'd been at it. And what if I never have a hit song? I stopped at a red light blew a couple of smoke rings out the window and thought to myself, I hate the world today. And then my eyes widened (laughs) and I knew I was on to something. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, Eyes widened from that nicotine. (laughs) Bohemian Rhapsody, eh? (laughs) She said she had had 10 years of album cuts but had never had a single. And so she's just like, She says, I'm coming home from a session one day full of PMS in a big funk. 
And I think, what am I doing? My poor boyfriend who I was living with, married to now, he's going to have to deal with this when I get home. And God bless him. He loves me any way I am, I thought. He loves me even when I can be such a bitch. Mm, Mm. I don't like it. I don't like that either. (laughs) I'm going to sit here with my mouth shut. (laughs) But remember that line. God bless him. He loves me any way I am. He loves me even when I can be such a bitch. So Shelly has the idea for the song. And then she says, quote, I thought immediately of an artist I had been introduced to just recently, Meredith. And she had a lot of spunk. And I knew she could relate to this idea. (laughs) Oh, she's got moxie, kid. Spunk is like, yeah, moxie is a great word. Chutzpah is a great word. Spunk, I think, should should we should bear, kill it and bury it i never want to hear the word spunk again except that i just said it again um except you just swallowed a bunch of it oh god oh, <laughs> jesus Lindsay. okay so guest. she says she <laughs> <laughs> so she says so i called her shelly called meredith and i told her about my song title and we thought is this gonna fly are they gonna play it And we said, we're not going to think about that. We're just going to write it because that's how we feel. So with this songwriting process, Shelly tells American songwriter, Mare and I wrote Bitch in a small spare bedroom in my first Laurel Canyon home. It was on the same block, only a few houses away where, Aviv, this is just for you, where Anne Previn lived, one of the writers of Natalie Imbruglia's Torn. (laughs) I think there was some magic on that block, she says. It's in the water. <laughs> so they they write this song together. Aviv, you write music. I I've, I dabble. You dabble. Do you ever do you dabble in co-writing music? Um. So interesting question. I I will co-write the musical part of it, but not the lyrics. The lyrics are very personal to me, mm-hmm. and so I will take suggestions and then ignore. Who has them. the most suggestions? Hmm. Well, so I think I think at this point no one suggests lyrics. They just appear. I just like I like write them and the way that we're like a pretty loud band and so when we practice, like no one knows the lyrics to our songs until we record them because they can't they hear don't? them at practice. They can't hear them at the shows. No, they don't. Hmm. And so I this and this has been my experience basically with every band I've ever been in, which is we get into the studio to record our whatever and the rest of the band goes, that's what this song is about. <laughs> and and um, for the musicality of it, I will do some co-writing. I hate the word like jamming, but like, you know, you but find a riff, you Working find a chord progression that you you're like, you work out. it out. But not working lyrics. No, 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 madam. Okay. That's exactly how I what feel like. I do not know how people <laughs> co-write. I am a. No, I, it's insane. I'm like a. Leave me alone. I don't even like to write anything <laughs> when my husband is home, which is a problem because I live with him. No, but yeah, um, yeah. So Shelley described the co-writing process of this song. Um, she says, usually when I co-write with an artist, I try to help them say what they want to say, put into words what's on their mind. But I knew enough about Meredith, a fellow Gemini. <laughs> I, don't <Shut> know. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Born in over. June. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know what that literally means, but I don't know what it means in this <laughs> no, case. No, I know. Me either. <laughs> a fellow Gemini to know that she too felt like a complicated woman with many opposing or perhaps complementary sides to her personality, just like me. We keep life 
in parentheses, and love. Interesting. Especially for the man who chooses to be in a relationship with us. So in this case, the song was really about her and about me. She had an acoustic guitar in her lap, and I was secretary. We volleyed the lyrics back and forth like a ping-pong ball. It was invigorating, extremely satisfying, reciprocal song sex. Wow, Shelly! Okay, okay. I hate, I absolutely hate that I'm about to be this guy, because I hate, because I don't believe in any of it. Okay. But aren't Geminis the twins? Aren't they supposed yes. to have, like, multiple personalities and stuff? Oh. Yes, two. Do a, two oh, okay. Yeah, but that's, like, that, like, reflects the song, it right? Does. I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, I'm a child, I'm a mother, right? They're talking about being Geminis, which is, like, I cannot fucking believe that I had to say this on the air, but here we are. Here we are. Look at you, astrology stop, master. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Aviv's a Scorpio, so mm. at him. You're a Scorpio? Yeah, oh. at me all day with your Scorpio facts. <laughs> We're both Virgos, right, Lindsay? We are both Virgos, Which correct. just means that we like We're to... We're delightful. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it, right? Nothing else. Just yep. delightful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing to complain about here. About <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, she says, during their invigorating, extremely satisfying reciprocal song sex, bitch slipped out of us like a baby past its due date. The only line Stop that was holding up... <laughs> Shelly, you're the Shelley. worst writer. The only line that was holding us up was the very last line of the chorus. I slash you wouldn't want it any other way. Funny, sometimes the last line is the most stubborn. It can strike you out or hit loaded bases into home. After Meredith left my house, more sex! I read the dictionary of cliches and I tried to figure out how to string them all into one interview. The bases were loaded. the worst fucking writer. (laughs) She says, after Meredith left my house, she called from the road, very excited to report she got it. To be honest, I wasn't sure about that line, but I have to hand it to her. I was wrong. It was the perfect sum up. So what she's talking about here is this, the end of the second to last chorus. She sings, you know you wouldn't want it any other way. But then the end of the last chorus, she sings, you know I wouldn't want it any, any other way. The last chorus, or the second to last chorus, she's talking about... I'm your hell, I'm your dream, I'm nothing in between. You know you wouldn't want it any other way. But then at the end, she's saying, I've been numb, I'm revived, can't say I'm not alive. You know I wouldn't want it any other way. Oh, sure. So she's, it's like she accepts herself and he mm-hmm. accepts her. She's been through, he, been through hell. And or she. Does side. she actually specify? Well, I guess they've been talking about their... They've been talking about men accepting them, so we'll say that it was a, we'll say that it was a, a he for both of them in this relationship. Um, there is like one musical. This is basically a pretty straightforward verse, chorus, verse, chorus action here, but there's um with a bridge in the middle. But there is one little nerdy musical thing that I think is interesting about this song. Do either of you know what I might be talking about? It has to do with the time signature. Okay, definitely. I'm not gonna know it okay (laughs) yeah does it change slightly in the bridge not in the bridge i feel like a thing there is a thing that can be felt so in the first 
verse, at the end of the first verse. I guess it's like there are two verses technically before the chorus. So I mm-hmm. guess it's, you know, verse, All verse, chorus. One. Yeah. Um, so the song is just in 4-4, four, four, common time, nothing special there. Um, so four beats to a measure, Lindsay, which you you feel in your soul, even if you don't think that you understand it conceptually from like a music theory perspective. But you feel that most songs just feel like one, two, three, four, one, oh, yeah. two. Yeah. But there's one. I literally re- <laughs> remember the first time I like realized that. Not like the first time I realized it, but it's at this Disco Biscuits concert and the music's like crazy. Oh but I was like, God. everything is just one, two, three, four. <laughs> were in you life, how many all the songs? How many drugs just, <laughs> were you on? <laughs> um, there's actually a movie about that or where that is a plot point. The movie's called Young Einstein and it stars an Australian comedian called Yahoo Serious. Has anyone heard of this movie? No. No. So Yahoo Serious, Australian comedian, plays young Albert Einstein who discovers he he goes to try to split the beer at him because he wants to make beer foamy and he discovers that a four this is a real movie. This is No, but did this really happen? No. (laughs) (laughs) The beer Adam has not time travel isn't real. I thought time travel was real. Um and he goes to he like falls in love with Marie Curie and discovers that a four four time signature can like drain the power out of anything and then he like plays the guitar. It's a very weird movie. Mm. Okay. But well yes. there's the the thing that caught my attention is that there's <laughs> one measure of six. Either that or it's a sneaky like one measure of two that's snuck in at the end of the first verse i gotta hear it i gotta hear it well it's gonna happen in look at me like maybe i'm an angel two three four one two three four five oh yeah you're right yes yeah it's okay. like a, it's like a an extra two measure of two yeah it's either an okay, extra measure yeah. of two or it's a measure of Six, and it doesn't really matter which it is. But whenever there's something, I mean, there are no there are no rules of songwriting, obviously. But I feel like there are tools of songwriting, and one tool is to do something a little unexpected musically when you're saying something that you mm-hmm. want to draw a little extra attention to. So this might not have been intentional, but I feel like the fact that the measure of six falls on right when she's saying innocent and sweet is kind of a it's like a little wink and a nod that maybe she's not so innocent and sweet again that's super cool can't confirm or deny but in these cases i always give Lindsay's like you are full of shit (laughs) no no i'll confirm it (laughs) no i'm laughing at um just this running joke we have on this podcast of like tell her she's the perfect combination of sexy and cute stop it Mm. it's not a running joke (laughs) you just keep saying it (laughs) <laughs> in different iterations <laughs> to me it seems like it's to emphasize yesterday i cried right because that's what comes in quote-unquote yeah. early mm. okay you know okay well not only did they finish this song in one sitting supposedly meredith brooks was so excited about the song that she went straight from shelly's house writing the song to the studio of the producer get Jezza Z? Jezza? Yep, nailed it. No, X. <laughs> Jezza X? Jezza X. 
Well, somebody knows how to say that. Those somebodies might be the punk bands in California that he recorded, like the Dead Kennedys and Germs. So this is like a punk producer that they're bringing this particular song to. But she goes over to Jezza XYZ's house, studio, um, and she made a demo that same night that ended up becoming basically the single version. Shelly says maybe there was some fairy dust on the mixing, but that was the that was no. the recording. Shelly, <sighs> shut up! What kind of drugs is Shelly on? <laughs> We're dust. sick of your shit, Shelly. And and according to Shelly, she stopped on the way in between <laughs> Shelly's house and the record producer's house to say, "Oh, I figured out the last line." Right, it's got to right? be. That's the time. You know, of I wouldn't want it any other way. Yes, I feel like this is like a this is like a crime, and we're deconstructing. So wait, what time did you leave Shelly's house? She- Shelly is in the throes of passion. What time did you two complete the invigorating, extremely satisfying reciprocal song sex? <laughs> Meredith told Entertainment Weekly that "bitch" was intended as quote a celebration of every woman's multiple psyches. I do not mean that it gives you permission to annihilate verbally. It simply means that when we don't honor every mood we're in, we move away from it and don't notice what's really going on with us. I think most people get the point that it's not about bitch. It's, I'm a bitch, I'm a mother, I'm a child, I'm a lover, I'm all of these things. But I've got to, I have to throw some shade on the writer of this Entertainment (laughs) Weekly article, Chris Willman, because the very next sentence is... Though perhaps only someone with such great cheekbones could get away with making mood swings sound <gasps> sexy. Shut the fuck up, Chris. <gasps> yeah. So that's a bummer. But um, I do have a little bit of sound here of Meredith talking about Bitch. Bitch is an intelligent song. It's not something I would have written when I was 19. I didn't know about honor at that point. I didn't know that, you know... When I say I've been numb, I'm revived, you can't say I'm not alive, I mean it. I have been numb. I have been out of it and not cared. And I took a breath and I, I changed my life. And now it's like, I feel everything. <laughs> and I'm very awake and I'm very alive. I think you need breakdown for breakthrough. I don't think we are ever willing to change in our human nature until it gets so tough that we absolutely are forced to change. So when I see somebody having a nervous breakdown, I go, yes, congratulations. And people look at me like I'm, she's bloody mad. Uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not mad. I know that my life, there's been nothing that has changed me until I have been on my knees for that change. Something in the world went through me and spoke, a voice that wanted to be heard. It was Shelly. Maybe that's what's going to happen again. <laughs> it was I, I just got to stay open to it. Breakdown for breakthrough. Is that, I can't tell if I've heard that somewhere else or if that is profound. Is that profound? Did she make this no. up? No. She may have made it up, but it's not profound. <laughs> <laughs> I have, so, okay, I have... I want to unpack that just a tiny bit because she seems like a little like amped up in a way that is unnatural. And whether that's the interviewer that like 
got her to that point or like she's just like a very intense person Mm -hmm. i would believe kind of either of them but like my reaction is like whoa meredith yeah i think reaction to you saying that is like whoa great like a woman with a little bit of spunk shall we say no (laughs) we got rid of that word forever i know (laughs) I, and also, I think we're looking at what she's saying and we're like, okay, yeah, like nothing that you said was profound, but this was 1997. So maybe was, right? were other things profound back in 97? No, no, I'm saying it's like women have been pounding this idea and this, you know, I contain multitudes, right? Like this has been mm-hmm. this, like the beat of the drum that women have been trying to stomp in so many different arenas and so in 1997 to hear her sing it and even though it's simple it's not exceptionally clever you know but maybe it was a little bit groundbreaking i'm not i'm not talking about what she's saying per se and you know, I th- I can see the scenario where the interviewer is trying to get her a little worked up because she sang a song called Bitch and they have a narrative that they want to follow, which is that she's like a little unhinged. Um, so that she could be... She did not seem unhinged. <laughs> I, she, I, she seemed a little intense to me. I, I know what you're picking up on, Aviv, and I don't remember where exactly I read this but i do know that she like marianne will marianne williamson is a hero of hers she is she is more in touch with like a a spiritual side let's say and so her energy that i'm reacting yes i think there is a little bit of like a a spiritual i I don't even know how to describe it she's yeah she's very she's in she is in touch like this is not the first time she is not having this epiphany in the moment she has she has maybe she is ready to give a TED talk on it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we I mentioned that she was born in 1958, and bitch came out in 1997. So, um, little mental 39. math quiz, anyone? Yeah, she was like almost 40 yeah. when her very first single comes out. So when she refers Gives to bitch, <laughs> right? So when she refers to bitch as being a more you know, mature song written by someone who's seen some shit. Um, I think that makes sense. I think I, I get what she's talking about, even though she doesn't, I couldn't find anywhere what she's really hinting at when she's talking about, like, I have broken down, I have been on my knees. But, right. you know, we've heard Shelly talk about the frustrations that she was feeling as someone in the industry for a long time who just was getting beaten down by it. and so. You can imagine that with her being in the industry for decades now before she gets, you know, her big moment, I think that would break anyone down. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I don't mean to discount anything that she's gone through. I think that the things that she's saying are true. The breakdown to breakthrough thing might be a little trite, but not as trite as the shit Shelly's saying. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I was just all... Maybe I was all like woo-wooed up myself when I heard her say that for the first time. I was like, yeah, man, break down, break through. Break um, down. 
So Bitch really kicked both of their careers into gear, Meredith and Shelley's. And after this, Shelley did go on to have a bunch of hits, including really the most popular were two for Christina Aguilera, What a Girl Wants, Ooh. and Come On Over Baby. No yeah. No way. That's our girl Shelly. bangers. <laughs> um, and then she wrote songs for NSYNC and Brandy and Britney Spears and Mandy Moore and on and on and on. Back to the word bitch and whether this was likely to succeed as a single being titled bitch. I, I actually have kind of a, a weird relationship with, with the word bitch. Do either of you feel a way about it? I do, but I want Lindsay to say, talk first. Oh, do you? Mm -hmm. To me, it's actually, I feel like it's kind of gone away from the vernacular a lot more. Like it used to be a lot more popular. And now it's not something that you hear as much. And when you do, if it's like a girl, if it's a girl calling it like, oh, my bitches, maybe. But like, I don't even hear that anymore. Hmm. Um, I think it's a female dog. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I'm just not here for any kind of um, genderized hate speech. Mm -hmm. So bitch is something that is only thrown at women and it's used when it's used toward a man, it's to imply that they're womanly and to imply that they are somehow weaker or yeah. so that is a genderized so so I you're totally 100% right and it makes me feel weird when men call women bitches and and even like in in like rap now rap that we accepted even like I guess rock and roll did that too but not quite as much up until like even 10 years ago it was just like very accepted, right? I got 99 problems and a bitching one. But now right. it makes me feel like really kind of squicky. And similarly, when a guy calls another guy a bitch to imply that they're like weak, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. like, that feels very juvenile. Yes. But there's like, like less... my mind goes straight to Jesse on Breaking Bad, where sure. he and yeah. his friends are all just like, bitch, bitch. It also like that. is like less. It feels much less hateful. Yeah, because it feels so childish. It's like you couldn't come up with anything else. Like that's not going right. to cut so deep. Yeah, I um, for some reason the word bitch. If someone is use is using it towards someone else, I cannot stomach it. It is such a. It's one of these mm. just like totally chewy words that sounds that sounds the way like like it's just like bitch and so when, when someone calls someone else a bitch i'm like really really put off by it but <laughs> yeah but this according to several sources was one of the first if not the first times that someone referred to themselves as a bitch in like a popular right. song um so shelly says this but also you discover music.com backed this up, saying that Brooks was, quote, the first female artist to explicitly refer to herself as a bitch on a hit record. And the writer, Bianca Gracie, goes on, she says, culturally, the song transformed into a feminist anthem that proudly reclaimed a derogatory insult. Meredith Brooks's yeah. bitch helped lay the groundwork for today's artists as they push against the stereotype of what a female rocker should sound or look like. 
So women ultimately control their persona, she says, and if that makes them a bitch, then they'll proudly own it. I remember there was this anecdote um, about how Natalie Portman and Julia Roberts, they worked on Closer together and they like, you know how there's like that Carrie necklace from Sex and the City, but they got each other ones that said cunt. <laughs> and it was like their their little way of like taking that back. Mm-hmm. And they would call each other that, which I still felt was weird, but you do you. Mm-hmm. They also shot that in England where that word is like ha- kind of has a different level of <laughs> grossness. Yeah. Well, according to Shelley, it took some real convincing to get Capitol Records to agree to let Bitch be the lead single from the album, which is it's just kind of funny because like there's so much worse things on the radio probably these days, like word wise of what's allowed. But the producer also expressed concern because he's like, I want this to be a big hit. And if it's called Bitch and if that's going to affect its success, like that sucks. So the label considered censoring the song, but Meredith and Shelley were really cheerleading for it to just release as is. And the radio stations went along with it. So they did use an they did use an alternate title, um, which I had no memory of. But apparently uh, most of the radio stations used the title Nothing In Between instead of Bitch. No way. Yeah. That sounds vaguely familiar, but I can't say for sure if you just didn't incept me. i'll never tell um so meredith was interviewed by this old npr show day to day back in 2007 when the new york city council was debating whether or not to ban the word bitch entirely oh my god yes i'm not sure how that would have been possible but it's hilarious (laughs) to think about no offense to NPR meant, but that's the NPRist thing I've ever heard, which is like to, the New York City New Council. York City might be might be banning the word "bitch." <laughs> Let's dig up this ten-year-old song and talk to the singer. Well, they made yeah, they made fun of it. Uh, it the segment kind of feels like they're making fun of it, and they talk to a councilwoman who is basically saying like, "No, why would you know?" They ask why. They they put uh, this song as an example to her of like, but this is a woman owning the term bitch. Because is that wrong if the woman calls herself a bitch? And this this councilwoman says like, yes, absolutely. Why would we degrade ourselves like that? Here she is talking on this NPR show back in 2007 about what the word bitch means to her. She says, bitch for me in that particular context was my no. It was a different thing for everybody, but for me, it was my no. I wasn't able to say no very well, and I kind of have to muster it all up and went, no. So it was my strength. It's a power word. So um, we got to go back to the beginning and talk about this Alanis Morissette comparison, because I am not alone. I am far from the only person who thought there's like really a Mandela effect (laughs) thing that goes on here with Alanis Morissette. To the extent that like... I do. Yeah. Lots of people thought and probably still do listening right now that this was an Alanis Morissette song Um, to the extent that if you Google lyrics to the song, bitch, most of what comes up is like Alanis Morissette, bitch, Alanis Morissette, bitch. Um, I bet it was mislabeled on like Napster and LimeWire. Yeah, we were talking about Mm. this in our Nirvana episode, too, or in uh, in um, or maybe it was Dancing in the Moonlight. But yeah, like. 
people getting around piracy in the late 90s and early 2000s really like fucked up the way who we think sings what song okay well we didn't need a music critic to point out the comparison to Alanis Morissette but one did of course um Stephen Thomas <laughs> Earl Wine from All Music wrote Meredith Brooks's debut album Blurring the Edges is one of the most blatant examples of post Alanis Morissette marketing by the record industry at her core Brooks is more like Sheryl Crow namely a classic rocker with slightly edgy lyrics um, she, she talks about the he talks about the producer David Ricketts and then says, "Jumping David down, Ricketts, day, good old David Ricketts." He says, and on the album's first single, "Bitch," Brooks and Ricketts devise an Alanis clone from the semi-profane mm. lyrics to the caterwauling chorus, which I just hate that phrase. Um, caterwauling yeah. chorus, caterwauling, like caterwauling, just sounds like an insult, no matter what. Like if anyone says yeah. if, if you 100%. describe someone's voice as caterwauling, you're shrill. <laughs> yeah, he says blurring the edges isn't necessarily a bad album. Brooks is a competent melodicist, and her lyrics are occasionally promising. Melodicist, yet it isn't a distinctive one. I know a melodicist. Um, so the Alanis clone line of that hit pretty hard, which was evident when she, when she was um, profiled by the L.A. Times. Shortly after that, she told them she'd never heard of Alanis Morissette when she wrote the song. What? False lie. I mean, it could. What about Shelley? It could maybe be true, I guess, in the sense that Jagged Little Pill came out in 95 and they supposedly wrote this in 95, two years before it came out. But no way, no way to know for sure. But Meredith told the L.A. Times, it's really started to bother me how much these Morissette comparisons have been such a focus of everything written about me. I didn't think it would be like this. The first time I heard her, I thought she was amazing. I related to her and thought she would open some doors for me, but I didn't think we sounded anything alike vocally. She's a lot more intense than I am. So True. I don't know. I'm, I'm still not buying it. If you, you listen go to the deep to, cuts, if, but if you listen to the way she sings the bridge just when you think you figure it out that is like yeah. she's doing an Alanis Morissette impression so regardless it. of it's yeah. like regardless of when the song was written like she recorded it at some point is, and that delivery yeah. is and she's proven herself to be a chameleon mm-hmm. totally so like <laughs> that is true. just be like I guess I guess she can't really embrace it, but like, don't lie to me. The comparison that she thought she was going to get, and maybe the comparison that she was hoping she was going to get, I don't know, but is to Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders. Okay. So okay. I dropped... I kind of see that too. Can you hear that in your mind's ear? I dropped a link to, you know, a Pretenders song if we want to hear the comparison. Yeah. Sure, yeah, let's take a look. gonna use it intention. I'm feeling Gonna make you, make you. Wow, I thought this was um, uh, Shania Twain. Shania Twain? I swear, I swear to you, I thought this was Shania Twain. It's like a little country for the pretenders who I have seen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, they opened for the Stones when I was like 16 years old. Oh, open for the Stones. We're going to get to that, too. That's that's another theme in this story. Oh, yeah? Yes. So I can hear the comparison. And this is probably sure. this is probably what she thought she was channeling 
unless she's just a liar and and really she would just had Alanis Morissette in her head the whole time. Um, but I mentioned before the song was nominated for a bunch of awards. Uh, and awards aren't everything, obviously, but I do feel like this song has kind of this always the bridesmaid curse on it because uh, it was nominated for a ton of awards between 1997 and 1998, including the 1997 MTV VMA for Best New Artist, the 1997 Billboard Music Award for Top Hot 100 Female Artist, the 1997 Billboard Music Video Award for Best New Artist Clip Pop Rock, and then two Grammys in 98 for Best Rock Song, and Best Female Rock Vocal Performance. So she loses all of the non-Grammy awards to a combination of mostly Fiona Apple and Tony Braxton and Jewel and the Spice Girls. But the two Grammys, she loses the 1998 Best Rock Song to... Anyone want to guess? 1998 Best Rock Song. Mm -hmm. It it had to have come out in 97, so it wasn't I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Mm-mm. Fastballs the way. <laughs> she did lose to no, a woman. I know that that didn't. Did lose to a woman. Mm-hmm. Rock song. Woman. When was Alanis Morissette's second album? Mm. Good question. Maybe 97? Maybe 98? <laughs> I don't know. Do you have a guess, Lindsay? Is it Alanis Morissette? Mm. You ought to know. It's not You Ought to Know. That was on Jagged Little Pill, but it is Alanis Morissette. <laughs> She loses to Alanis Morissette, the song Uninvited, which I didn't recognize by title, but I did as soon as I hit play. I know that song. It's the one that's like. Oh, sure. Okay. And then. You don't even have to drop it in. That's perfect. Okay. (laughs) And then the other award that she was nominated for Best Female Rock Vocal Performance. She also Clearly loses. lost to Alanis. Yeah. She lost to Alanis Morissette. And <laughs> you had mentioned that she um, bitch peaked at number two on mm-hmm. Billboard. Mm-hmm. So once again, a bridesmaid. <laughs> once again, exactly. That was not a loss to Alanis Morissette. But it does kind of sting that she's, you know, she's basically written off as an Alanis clone by serious people in the music industry. And then the two most... I don't know if they're the most prestigious, but the ones that people probably pay the most attention to, the two Grammys that she's nominated for, she loses to Alanis. So that that stings. But I actually have a secret conspiracy theory, which is that Alanis ended up ripping off of Bitch, not stylistically, but lyrically, in this song from 2004 called Everything. Have you guys heard this song? All rolled into one. So we we just have to hear a little bit of it because sure. if you remember what Shelly said before about how like, wow, my my boyfriend loves me even though I can be such a bitch. What a great person for putting up with me because I can be such a bitch. Um, this song from Alanis Morissette is like, in my mind, well, I'll let you guys decide. But... Just focus on the lyrics of this 2004 (laughs) song called Everything by Alanis Morissette. I can be an asshole of the grandest kind. What is that fucking accent she's got? She's Canadian. Yeah, but she's singing an Australian accent. (laughs) 
biggest heart that you've ever seen. Irish. I have never. I remember this. this. I remember. I really? remember them cutting her hair. Yeah. Maybe this is just my conspiracy theory. But like the first lyric is about how she's an asshole. Yeah. And how she can just be the worst. And she's passive aggressive. So this line is my passive aggressiveness can be devastating. So this is the this is her confirming that she is passive aggressively (laughs) doing a shot across the bow to Natalie and Bruglia again. Yeah. If nothing else, it's not like this is the most innovative, you know, lyrical concept, but it is a very similar for for two women who are compared to each other and one being called a clone of the other one. To me, I was just like, like staying power and legs and is still touring right now. And one's not. I know. Well, she's an old lady. (laughs) I mean, they both are. They both are at this point, right? I don't know how old Alanis Morissette is, actually, but... Um. Well, she was 19 when Jagged Little Pill came out, right? Oh, wow. So. Okay, well, she's then she's... Wow, then Meredith Brooks got has got like 20 years on her then. 20 years on her, right. Right, like 20-ish. Okay, well, I haven't been able to. I really wanted to find Alanis Morissette saying something about bitch, saying something about Meredith Brooks and like responding to the the clone critique. But anytime you look for Alanis Morissette's name with Meredith Brooks or Alanis Morissette bitch, you just get a bunch of... Just comes up with the song. Yeah, people just think that she wrote it. It, It's not, it it is not possible. Um, So you mentioned the Rolling Stones, Aviv. Which Meredith Brooks said that Mick Jagger was also one of her biggest influences. And she opened for the Rolling Stones on their 1998 Bridges to Babylon tour, which was Mm. a huge opportunity for her. But some shit went down in Argentina. What? So the tour, Argentina loves the Rolling Stones with a fiery passion. (laughs) And they played two shows on this tour in Buenos Aires in a huge arena, like 70,000 people in this arena. Jesus. And on the first night, during Meredith Brooks's set, the crowd gets rowdy and violent, and they're demanding that the Stones come on stage and kick this woman off stage. It's not like she's doing oh a bad God. job. They just want sure. the Stones. <laughs> yeah, Henry Rollins has an interesting story about this, too, where it's like he opened for Iron Maiden, and he's like, you know what Iron Maiden fans don't like? Anything but Iron Maiden. Right, right. So the crowd starts throwing things at her. For like the entirety of her 45 minute long opening set, everything from oh my God. <laughs> tampons to bottles to batteries to rocks. What? The? what? Yes. She says at one point, quote, at one point, a big dirt clod hit my guitar and exploded and went into my left eye. It got black and blue and clod. swollen. I know what that's dirt clod sounds a little, a little sounds ancient. Like you just like picked a horse's hoof and then threw some shit. Mm-hmm. 
She says, I think I went into shock, but I come from the school of the show must go on. I finished my set and then totally broke down. So then the next night they have another show there. So the next night she's like, okay, that really sucked, but here we go again. And she puts on um, an Argentine soccer jersey because the only thing they love more than the Rolling Stones there is soccer. And she comes out again, plays her set. And she, again, it happens again. They're just throwing all what? sorts of stuff at her. So No bueno. As soon, no bueno. So as soon as she finishes the song, Bitch, she takes off the soccer jersey, throws it on the ground, storms off stage. And according to USA Today, she was sobbing. She told Mick Jagger she was leaving the tour. And she says, Mick put mm. his arms around me and said, I'm so sorry. So... Woof. So she waited a couple weeks before <laughs> commenting publicly about it, um, but she called it a misogynist and dangerous example of violence of a mob mentality. It turns out wow. that they actually, this was not the first time that, that a Rolling Stones opening artist was attacked in Argentina. Both Guns N' Roses and Prince had stuff thrown at them. So Guns N' Roses kind of deserves it. <laughs> Don't come between... Argentinians and the Rolling Stones. Um, but this was this was really traumatic for Meredith and understandably so. So um the rest of her career is kind of confusing. She releases a follow-up album in 1999 that is not really well reviewed. Um <laughs> again, she gets called melodic. The uh, someone reviewing it called her her songs melodic, and it's like I hope it's melodic. Uh, I hope there are melodies yeah. in her songs. But at this point in her career, she's really annoyed that people aren't paying attention more to her guitar playing. She's gotten the Alanis stuff and she's gotten the the bitch stuff, but she's like, but I'm a really good guitarist. So she um, she talked about that to launch back in 2000. I was get, doing every guitar magazine and I would only get like a couple of little paragraphs. And here I'd played every single guitar, and I'd done, I felt, some pretty cutting-edge sounds on the, last, on the last album, and people still didn't get it. So then I toured. Then it kind of started coming out in the reviews, and wow, and she plays guitar. I'm thinking, duh, yeah. But I couldn't believe people still didn't get it. It happened again with this album. It was like, people noticed, wow, you, and you played the guitars, question mark. And I'm like, okay, what's it going to take? I know. I need a cover. No. And so I campaigned really hard for the cover a of magazine guitar player. Cover. So she did. Thank you. I, I figured that out. Yes. <laughs> but I thought she meant cover a song. I was like, no. no. You're enough of a shapeshifter. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she did. She got, she got the cover of Guitar Player magazine in 1999. And I'm I'll sure that it. went really well for the readers of Guitar Player magazine. <laughs> I'm sure they loved it. So there's, there's her cover. The red leather jacket. Wow. Yeah, a nice, a nice Telecaster. The headline is Meredith Brooks is for real! Exclamation point. Well, I like, I get it, and like, I believe that she is a very good guitar player, but like, this feels like it's not going to get the reaction that you want it to get, man. Mm. Well, I didn't hear that it went badly per se, but it wasn't. She just, her, her career was not picking up that much momentum. She did do a song with Queen Latifah on this album mm. Mm -hmm. and this was also around the time that she started this mentoring program called amp 
or anybody's mentoring program, which okay. sounds like a placeholder name, but she says it's supposed to mean that anybody can be a mentor. So basically, she, she would stop oh, wait, at... Wait, 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 wait. It means anybody can be a mentor? It's anybody's mentoring program? It means... Not, not anyone can be mentored? <laughs> anyone can be mentored, and anyone can be a mentor. So she would go around like to high schools around role. the country while she was on tour. And actually, we will watch a little bit of this because she goes into this high school in L.A. And she's basically like she performs for them, but then she talks to them about the music industry. And she did this cover song on this album called Lay Down. And this one school, she's like, do you guys want to be on my album? And so they all they all cheer. And we'll we'll pick up here. We'll see some of Meredith, the mentor, in action. Today, I am having Crenshaw High, who is a school that I'm um, kind of mentoring a little bit, and I'm having them sing on my album. Some kids feel like they're either going to have nothing because of where they come from, or they look at Time Magazine and see Michael Jordan and the gazillion dollars and, go, and think that they're going to have that and they're going to have it tomorrow. And that is, you know, one in a million that happens that way. Hi, how are you? Oh, that's all right. I'm so glad you all could come. This is just awesome. They can design their own future, but I want kids to mentor themselves by depending on themselves and not always depending on the government or, you know, somebody else to do it for them. If you wait for somebody else, as I have found out, sometimes it doesn't happen, you know? Okay, are you guys ready to roll? Yeah. Yes! Yeah. 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 And now this high school choir is laying down some choir tracks for this cover song that she does with Queen Latifah. Well, this high school choir slaps. They do. I'd say uh, they are the highlight of this cover song, and unfortunately (laughs) they end up being so low in the final mix that I know. There's a lot of... Meredith, and there's a lot of uh, Queen Latifah, and there's not nearly enough of these kids. So we didn't mix albums very well in the late '90s. Yeah. So yeah. So she's like going around the country. She's teaching kids about the music industry. She um, in 2002 she puts out another album called Bad Bad One, which is a sad, sad title. Just inviting. <laughs> Just inviting criticism. It's a sad, sad title because it doesn't it doesn't go so well. So in 2004, she's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it out again. I'm going to change good, good one. the song order completely. No way. Yes. No way. Yes. Same exact no. album. Who's behind this? Who's paying for this? Sweetheart, no. Well, she's now, yeah, she switches record labels. She's now on an independent label. So she puts it back out moves the track list all around, picks a new lead single called Shine. And Shine, did either of you ever watch the Dr. Phil show? I, I have se- I have seen a, an episode or two of the Dr. Phil show, yeah. Same. Okay. For like journalistic reasons. <laughs> for journalists. For journalistic reasons. For science. For science. <laughs> yeah. So Dr. Phil loves this song shine and he's like i bet meredith is it the theme song to his show yes so she she has a yeah so she has a little 
return to some success because Dr. Phil loves this song. I feel like I saw an episode or two of the Dr. Phil show. But this song, needless to say, does not slap. (laughs) 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 There's no room for an opinion on this. It just simply does not. According to Dr. Phil, it shines. But according to... This song slaps. (laughs) My Dr. Phil impression. Let me please call your attention to the DJ who's like scratching vinyl. Exactly. <laughs> wicky wicky wild. <laughs> no. I just really don't like it. Ooh, it's only getting worse. I know. I guess we didn't mix albums very well in the mid-2000s either. No. No. All right. That's Ooh. enough of that. Did you, did you, did, is it still the theme for the Dr. Phil show? No. After 2008, okay. even Dr. Phil was like, okay, this no longer slaps. <laughs> this song sucks. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So in my opinion, like her, she peaks at bitch. I mean, she definitely peaks at bitch in popularity, but she also peaks at bitch just in terms of like songs that I would ever want to listen to. Um, <laughs> but she dabbles in music production. In 2002, she produced, do you guys remember Jennifer Love Hewitt released an album? Yes. Bare Naked? Mm-hmm. Why, yes, I mm-hmm. do. Well, My Meredith My childhood Brooks. crush. Oh. I was going to say, I feel like Aviv loves her. <laughs> oh, I do love her. Oh, well. There was, a, there was a show where all she did was give hand jobs. That was the show. It was my favorite what? show ever. What was that show? It's called The Client List. The Client she List. She was like a madam who gave H heegers and just like, that was the show. Oh, my God. Okay, well, she produced that album, Bare Naked, Jennifer Love Hewitt. She co-wrote and co-produced Hilary Duff's album, Metamorphosis. Great. Great. Didn't listen to it. And then the last thing that I think that she releases that we know of is 2007. Because in 2004, despite claiming to be a mother in the song Bitch, she didn't actually become a mother until 2004. (laughs) So she has a son and she's like, I found my calling. It's children's music. Wait, 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 wait. She was born in 1958. Oh wow! So she, I didn't even try. Was I wasn't even thinking about this. Yeah, that's. I mean, like, yeah, good for her. Yeah, that's impressive. That's, that's impressive. That's yeah. that's some good genes. Um, did it slide out of her as easily <laughs> as Shelly or? It was the result the of it. Said, yeah, it was the result of some sort of song sex. If I could be a bitch, a lover. Well, the funny thing about this, okay, so in 2007, she releases this children's album called If I Could Be. And maybe at this point, I was just fully like drinking the Kool-Aid. But to me, this song is like bitch, but for kids. (laughs) It's bitch for kids. Uh I kind of wish her. Isn't there a song, though, that's like, I know I can be what I I want to be. be. Uh Uh-huh. If I I work hard at it. I'll be where I want to be. Okay, well, here's here's the title track of If I Could Be, even though I wish her children's album was called, like, Lullabies for for Future Bitches. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> lullabies for future bitches. <laughs> Whoa. I know. We just keep going. <laughs> I mean, I know it's for kids, but we just keep going further and further this backwards. <laughs> You know what? Dear God. With, withdrawn. I kind of <laughs> Make like me this. a bird. You can fly far, far away from here. Jesus, Lindsay. This is, this is bitch for kids. I kind of like this song. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, it is mid, right? Yeah, bitch for kids. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now we're now we're going off the cliff. Um so after she releases this kids album, like no no more music from Meredith Brooks from what I can see. So nothing since 2007. <laughs> she starts a blog called Kissing Booth Blog, which is the same name as her music production company. And she kept up with this blog until like 2012, but then she kind of fell off the map. And it doesn't look like her website has been updated. Yeah, it doesn't look like her website has been (laughs) updated for quite a while. But there is one kind of money-making opportunity that happens in 2018. And this is where you guys will probably know how to pronounce this person's name. I had never heard of this before, but (laughs) B.B. Reha? Rexha? Nope. Nope. Not me. Okay. Not me. Well, we all missed the memo that <laughs> BB Reha Rexha released a song in 2018 called I'm a Mess. Do you know this song? I'm a mess. Oh, yeah. Baby I'm a lover. I'm a child. Do you actually, Lindsay, or are you shitting me? <laughs> oh, I can't even pronounce the most basic name. Okay, so in 2018, we'll get to hear a little bit of it, because in 2018, she got a co-writing credit on this song, I'm a Mess, because the chorus of the song lyrically echoes the chorus of Bitch. Oh, wow, I was just oh, joking. Oh, Olivia Rodrigo situation. No, you're right. I wonder if people, okay, are people listening to the end of the total end? Because I want to know if anyone hears the sometimes bloopers. Yeah, I couldn't pronounce the word anonymity. Anonymity. Still can't. Keep practicing. Anonymity. Anonymity. Good job. Okay, so here is the chorus of BB Reha Rexha. We're too old to know of her song. But like I don't know. Okay, well here's the thing about it. Interesting she got a writing credit. Right. Was it demanded or was it volunteered? It sounds like it was volunteered. So this is definitely not how it typically works where someone has to sue someone else to make this happen. But when 
um, Shelly Pakin. Remember Shelly? Who yeah. could forget? When her co-writer Shelly heard the news about this co-writing credit, because she obviously got one too, she she heard it on her birthday. So she posted on Instagram, guess what? It's my birthday. And guess what I got? A nice little gift. The writers of BB Raisha? Raisha? Raisha. I'm a mess. Did a classy thing when they suspected the song Interpolated Bitch. They gave me a co-writing credit. Hashtag class acts. Now can I have my cake? So Shut up, Shelly. <laughs> so it sounds like the writers just kind of proactively said, all right, we have yeah. to get in front of this so that we don't get sued. But who knows? I mean, I had never heard of that song, but I've never heard of most songs that came out past, I don't know, 2010. So maybe th- maybe it's been lucrative for her. Maybe she's just like, I don't need to sing anymore because I'm raking in the royalties. And she's probably raking in a good yeah, chunk maybe. of royalties from like all from of bi- the I different. I think Bitch is probably giving her more more money than whatever that I'm a mess is. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Are either of you Redditors? I am not me. Okay, because I also saw sh- <laughs> I also saw a shower thought from the shower thought subreddit, um, comparing bitch to Megan the Stallion's Savage, and basically saying that the the shower thought was like basically saying bitch is the white lady version of Megan the um, Stallion's Savage. Savage, classy, bougie. Because mm-hmm. the first lyric of that, right, the first line of that song is like, "I'm a bitch. I'm that bitch." been that bitch still that bitch will forever be that bitch is that is that the song or are you just yeah making stuff up no <laughs> so in conclusion i'm that bitch been that bitch still that bitch will forever be that bitch mm-hmm. yeah just like i said so savage classic bougie ratchet sassy mm-hmm. moody, nasty yeah okay i buy that more than i buy the other thing <laughs> in conclusion Bitch was not written by Alanis Morissette. This we have learned. It hopefully helped some... Or Meredith Brooks. <laughs> it hopefully helped some women embrace their whole selves. And I actually think this song is kind of a much-needed reminder that there's, there are, is so much weight given to binaries, like right and wrong, nice or mean. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know, but I feel like as I have gotten older i have learned to embrace that like being nice is the worst thing in the world being called nice is like the worst (laughs) thing in the world like we we all live much more in the in the gray area and it's a lot easier to feel compassion for other people when you recognize all of those things in yourself that you have the capacity to be nice and mean and and that's okay you're so wise (laughs) what a good sum up Uh, that's how i feel i don't know feel free to feel free to object but that's where i land on this song i don't think the song is like the best song in the world i don't think it's the most brilliant song in the world but i think anything that encourages us to lean into ourselves as complex beings is a good thing because it's a it's a more truthful thing than saying that we are nice and good all the time which is just not true this is that it. NPR touch. <laughs> we, don't, we don't do any of this. We're just like, bye. Math lab. <sighs> bye. Well, because you guys love Shelly so much, we're going to go out on Shelly Pakin singing. Oh, no. Wait, before we go out, can you please tell us what is math lab? Matlab. Matlab. 
I don't know. Doorman. <laughs> Doorman. Doorman. What part of uh, what's the funding for here and now is created by funding for here and now math comes lab. from Math Lab. Oh, no, it is Math Lab. <laughs> funding for here and now comes from Math Lab. Math Lab. Creators of creators of MATLAB. Okay. Funding for here and now comes from MATLAB, <laughs> creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at so math. Oh no, 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 no. Math works. It's called <laughs> Math Works. Oh my God. Wow. No, I can't tell you what any of those things are, Lindsay. But if does anyone think they recognize Avery's voice? <laughs> Do they know the words math lab? Funding for here math and now works. comes from MathWorks. MathWorks. <laughs> math creators of MATLAB. And simulating software, <laughs> accelerating the Listeners, pace of engineering and science. Learn more at mathworks.com. No idea <laughs> what, what is, the going fuck is going on. <laughs> you don't listen to NPR or hear it now. <laughs> I voice the funder for the lead sponsor of Here and Now, which is MathWorks. Not comes from MathWorks, <laughs> a math, math lab, lab accelerated software. <laughs> <laughs> I have confession. I have no idea what engineering they do, solutions, but I know that they're accelerating the Words. pace of engineering and science. Science. <laughs> <laughs> and if MathWorks wants to sponsor this podcast, Lindsay and Aviv would love that. So, yeah, accelerating the science of, of podcasts and math labs mm-hmm. today. Send us an email at lyricsforlunch.com. <laughs> for you and your I family. Mean, Send us an email at lyricsforlunch at gmail.com. <laughs> Amory, what are we going out on today? Well, Lindsay, because you and Aviv love <laughs> Shelly so much, Shelly Pakin. I fucking love Shelly. Co-writer of Bitch. Um, in 2020, Year of Our Lord, she released an album of her <laughs> singing a bunch of the hit songs that she's co-written over the years. Fuck. Oh, Is she singing What a Girl yeah. Wants? <laughs> yeah. Fucking 68-year-old Shelly. What a shell needs. <laughs> I am so fascinated by Shelly now. Well, I think her rendition of <laughs> Bitch, in, in the true form of covers, I think, like, I think she actually does something interesting with the song <laughs> Lindsay's not having it let's do it <laughs> no I'm ready, I'm ready she does not believe it okay <laughs> I hate the world today you're so good to me I know but I can't change Try to tell you, but you look at me like maybe I'm an angel underneath innocent as sweet. I actually don't hate this cover. No, I think it's good. I think I think this is if you're gonna cover a song, this is the way. Take a fresh approach. Innovate. Yes. It's a lot more zen. <laughs> Amory, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. If people want to hear more from your voice, where would they go? Where are the, your if they want to hear your melodicism, where would they go? <laughs> um, my melodicism is at amorymusic.bandcamp.com, and then the podcast that I co-host is called Endless Thread, and you can listen to it wherever you listen to lyrics for lunch. <laughs> and Lindsay, where can people find us on the internet? Find us on the internet at Lyrics for Lunch on Instagram and Twitter. And for longer and weirder stuff, shoot us an email at lyricsforlunch at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, go to lyricsforlunch.com and click support the show. 
Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It's the best way to never miss an episode. And rate and review wherever you get your podcasts because it helps people find us. And tune in next week when Lindsay's back in the driver's seat. Lindsay, what are you what are you gonna be gracing us with? I have no idea. I have so many ideas, I have no idea. Um, so until next time, I'm Aviv Rubenstein. I'm Lindsay Tucker. I'm Amory Sievertson. Thank you for having me, guys. Saying. Saying. You're very welcome. I wouldn't have it any other um, way. Wouldn't have it any other way. Bye. You've got me figured out the seasons already changing. I think it's cool. You do what you do. Don't try to save me Chinese food. <laughs> His fortune he had a cookie. fortune cookie. <laughs> you guys are making stuff up now, right? That is not a lyric. Yes. Okay.